afternoon retirement from professional wrestling. Uh, that is just a sign that things are about to get worse once that Wall Street Journal story comes out because they've been on that for a while now. By the way, I never expected. This is how weird. This this just goes to show you the internet age, okay? The internet age. It used to be where you picked up the Wall Street Journal for stock tips and other analysis in the business world. Now, they're breaking sex stories about Vince McMahon. I mean, if that is not a sign of where we are these days in the internet age, I don't know what is. Yeah, seriously, Steve, it seems like every media outlet out there has to try to cover every type of thing out there. So it's like, you know, if you're a media outlet that covers sports, you're probably touching things like politics now nowadays. And if you're a media outlet that is uh, usually touching things like business and finance, uh, there are some of the times, sometimes they are the ones who are breaking uh, exclusive insider news. So yeah, I mean, media and uh, journalism has really shifted uh, since, I mean, even I've been born. We have, by the way, the full spectrum of guests on the show today. I mean, listen, I'll tell you right now. So so I'm so excited about having uh, Chris Garagiola join us um, here in less than 20 minutes. So, folks, Chris is going to become the first guest in the history of sports talk to be the third generation uh, you know, guest on the program. I had Joe Garagiola Sr., I've had Joe Garagiola Jr., and now I'm going to have... Chris Graziola, the grandson of Joe and the son of Joe uh, Jr. on the program. This is this is wild when you think about it because you know I've done plenty of father son uh, broadcasters. In fact, you know you think about it: Marv Albert, Kenny Albert, Jack Buck, Joe Buck, um, Ian Eagle, Noah Eagle. So I've done those, and I've had. Joe Garagiola Sr. and uh, Joe Jr. And by the way, let me tell you something. My favorite of anybody who's my age, I'm 49, and you grew up watching the NBC baseball game of the week in the 70s and 80s, knowing that I was able over the years at different points of, of our gen, you know, of our run to have Joe Garagiola Sr. on. He was talking about the book he wrote. Uh, this goes back probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And then... Um, later on, we, uh, we were fortunate enough to get, uh, Tony Kubek on the program. Oh, I mean, that is phenomenal. It really is. And by the way, Tony Kubek is still, he's, he's 80, uh, he's 86. Wow, really? Yes. Tony Kubek was a, I mean, him and Garagiola, that's kind of what I grew up on watching the baseball game of the week for uh, NBC. They were the team. That was the main team. Joe Garagiola, Tony Kubek. And I and I had them both on, and I thought it was like the coolest thing. So, you know, uh, he lives in Appleton, Wisconsin, and, you know, is still involved. Um, he retired from broadcasting almost 15 years ago. So, but that was really cool to have Tony on, on the program with, uh, with Joe. And then, um, you know, now Chris is the, I believe, I don't think I've ever had third generation sports on the program before. Uh, In terms of national guests, national guests, because I might have had Cameron Haskins on at one point, and I know I've had Don Haskins and Steve Haskins, so it's very possible that locally we've done the three generations, but not on the national level 
in sports like the Graziolas. So that's a really cool thing, and I'm excited about that today. Yeah, this is so cool. I mean, somebody who's breaking into the business, who's getting an opportunity this season with the Diamondbacks, albeit, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a on, on not good terms at all because uh, their previous radio broadcaster, uh, he is dealing with uh, something right now in terms of his health, and he's kind of on and off. So Chris has gotten this great opportunity to step in, Steve. Yep. And, uh, well, yeah, he's I'm I mean, really exciting, a, uh, excited about this one, a young rising broadcaster uh, rising through the ranks of Major League Baseball. So Greg Schulte is the longtime voice of the um, uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Greg Schulte right now is going through some health issues. So number one, our thoughts uh, are with Greg right now. And uh, he's well, he was on this radio show 20 years ago when he was broadcasting Diamondback games on a regular basis, and it still is. Um, Chris became the pre- and post-game host of the Diamondbacks broadcasts. Now he has been uh, thrust into the play-by-play role because of Greg. Yeah, most definitely, and he's you know he's a younger guy who, and for younger play, uh, people who are broadcasters in Major League Baseball, it takes some time for them to rise through the ranks. So yep. for him to get this opportunity right there, I'm sure he's thrilled about it. I- I'm excited about this conversation. He's thirty. So it's not like Chris is right out of college doing pro ball. Some have had that fortune to be like Noah Eagle was, I think, 23 years old, right, when he started getting into the NBA. Clippers, yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that he was right. He was like right out of college when he was doing that. So, you know, Chris Graziola is not, uh, you know, he's not Noah Eagle, but still having the opportunity at 30. To be, uh, you know, involved in big league ball—that's that's that's everybody's dream. Yeah, most definitely, it takes time to rise through the minor league system as a broadcaster, and then to have that opportunity to go through the major league baseball ranks—it's it's tough for these broadcasters. I look at Tim Haggerty; he's been at this almost twenty years, um, and and you know, ten of those in AAA, and he's still waiting for his shot. I think Matt Hicks was probably in, um, you know, his fifties when he first got the chance to go with the Rangers. And he's been there ever since. So it is it is tough. But that's our first guest today in the show. So Chris Graziola will join us uh, coming up here at uh, you know, 20 past the hour. Also, beginning our 5 o'clock hour, Brad Shepard is going to come back. Now, again, Brad is our wrestling guy. Usually we get Brad Shepard on once every couple years. And we just had him on about a month ago, which was our first time in a long time. But with the news of Vince McMahon today... Uh, he, I've, this is this is. I mean, Brad Shepard is the only guest I'd want to have on the program right now to talk about what's going on with the WWE. This is a big deal. Whether you follow pro wrestling or not, everybody knows the name Vince McMahon. He's like the Jerry Jones of pro wrestling, and you know what? Um, he's been at this now forever, and stepping down at the age of seventy-seven is a big story. And again, I know why he's stepping down. Not because he wants to, but because there's a lot of stuff coming that's not going to be good and does not want to have to be active, especially in a publicly traded company with a, a full board of uh, you know people that, are, uh, that, that he has to answer to. Uh, that's not what you want to deal with. So uh, McMahon stepping down today is a huge story in pro wrestling. Huge. So uh, Brad Shepard's going to join us uh, coming up uh, less than an hour from now. And then at 6 o'clock, speaking of wrestling, well, it's not wrestling. It's mixed martial arts, MMA. Former UTEP minor, A.J. Hodgkins is going to join us. And A.J. is going to talk about an upcoming 
uh, mixed martial arts mats that he has uh, here in the in the near future. Yeah, it's so interesting because AJ joined us, I think, in, uh, back in the spring. It was just me and Angel, but he joined us, and uh, he was talking about how frustrated he was at the time with him not being the best uh, person he could be in terms of the MMA ranks locally and how difficult of a transition it was from uh, you know football, powerlifting, and all that, and training to uh, mixed martial arts kind of training. So, yeah, now he's having a little bit of success in this sport locally. Uh, he's getting a chance to showcase his skills tomorrow. So, you know, whenever we bring AJ on the show it's a lot of fun right oh man it's gonna be great he is he's mr personality so uh, aj hodgkins will join us uh, coming up here at six o'clock today so we've got a lot to get to on the program it's gonna be a big show i mean really there's a lot lot to cover um all these teams uh in football coming up with these new alt looks the bengals with no orange the jets going black black football helmet I mean, there's a lot of a lot of weird things going on in the NFL this year. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals alternate uniform, that all white look. How, I mean, they, I've been waiting for them to do this forever now, and and now the fact that they've released this as an alternate uniform, I love it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when the Rams went white and blue back in the 70s. Ah, I like this. Okay. A you good, know? I, I, I remember exactly which helmets you're talking about. They tried to bring those back in like 2017, but mm-hmm. the problem was they had um, you know, a mismatched jersey color, so they didn't go all white with the uniform. These are, tradi- these are yes. like actually all white, which they look I love. Good. They look really good. Um, and I, and I, it might have been the '60s for the Rams. Actually, I'm in the '70s. I know, I know it might have been early '70s, late '60s when the Rams had the uh, the the white and blue look. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. That's a major throwback uh, for the Rams. I know that this past season they wanted to bring back an 80s look, which had some white, but it's nothing like this one. The uh, Bengals white look is so, so clean. And, it, yeah, it, it, it's a really la- nice look. I'm excited for this one. 1969, Steve, is that year. Ah, 69 is when the Rams started. Yeah, that's exactly How right. How long did that look go for? Until well, about 74, I, 75? Yeah, it says uh, mid-70s. I'm looking at so one that says 73. Okay. So, yeah, they, I love these jerseys. They look great. I always thought that was my favorite Rams look with the with the blue and white. I, I love the helmets and, and the white and the white jerseys. Maybe they'll bring those back. Yeah, maybe they will. It kind of almost looks like Indianapolis Colts colors, but yeah. it's just a clean look with the Rams logo. It really is. So Bengals are doing it different. And by the way, of all the alt looks, I think the Bengals is the coolest because it is such a um the color wise, it is such a departure from their traditional look. I think that's what makes it stand out. Yeah, they always incorporate an orange. That's their dominant color. And for them to just throw away the orange in these uniforms, it's real interesting. I think it's a very clean look. I think the Jets are a sneaky second in this mm-hmm. mix. And then uh, not not too big of a fan of Phillies. I, I think that uh, the Jets made that black look look pretty nice. Uh, by the way, I haven't seen is Phillies. Now, Philly, okay, this is going to sound crazy. But in the early 70s, Philly had a white helmet with the green um with, with it was like the green wing uh on there. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And I like that look. Uh, I am a sucker for old jerseys. I am. I'm a sucker for the old looks because for the most part with the exception of Bengals written um in in the giant uh, you know caps across the orange, never really cared for those. 
But, I mean, I, I like some of those old teams and the, the way they used to look. I liked when Washington, um, you know, formerly known as that, as that other team, um, the Native American nickname. They had the R on their uh, on their yellow helmets back in the days when it was like red. So um, I'm old enough that when I was a kid growing up and I used to have some kind of those old NFL bed sheets, I had some of those old logos. I was born in 73, so my parents didn't waste much time getting me uh, betting that was sports related in the early, uh, the mid to late seventies, actually more mid seventies. So I had a lot of those looks back when I was a kid. Steve, those are old throwback jerseys are sometimes my favorite. Like the Houston Texans should definitely be the Houston Oilers with the colors. The I love that scheme. The Buccaneers should go back to the creamsicle jerseys yep. with the pirate on the on the uh, helmet. I think those are really clean to look at. And even the Patriots, you can make an argument that those red Patriot jerseys with the Patriot uh, actually on the on the uh, uh, helmet. Those are super, super clean. I love, I always thought that the best looking Tom Brady jersey was the red jersey throwback. Oh yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. That that uh, red jersey is really nice and even, you know, you think about the Chargers. I like how their throwback jerseys look oh with God. that nice, uh, uh, I powder guess blue. Like, yeah, that powder blue. The Lance Beautiful. Allworth style when they used to show the Lance Allworth jersey um, from the 60s. Yeah, uh, those are really cool too. So uh, one day we need to do a show on jerseys. That would really yeah. be uh, would really be a lot of fun. Yeah, power rank all the best jerseys and then maybe the worst jerseys out there. I like that. I think that'd be a good. I think that'd be a good segment on the show. All right. When we come back, as promised, Chris Graziola is going to join us here on Sports Talk. But first, let's go to Charlie One. It's been an interesting day today. We had a little rain in the morning. Let's find out how traffic's looking around El Paso with our first update of the day. And we're back here on Sports Talk. Uh, we're going to talk a little baseball right now, specifically a little Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We are happy to have Chris Garagiola with us on the show. He's the voice of the Diamondbacks here in 2022 as uh, they get ready to begin the second half of their season uh, hosting the Nats uh, this weekend in Phoenix. Chris, first off, welcome to the show. Great to have you on, and, and thanks so much for the time. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Excited to be here. Uh, excited to have you. And I didn't even realize that um, for you, uh, you know Texas well, especially since uh, you didn't go to college at UTEP, but um, I guess uh, El Paso has a special connection for you from a few years back. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I went to school in San Antonio, so I would just take I-10 from Phoenix to get, you know, all the way there. So it's a smooth 14 and a half hour drive, but there's there's a few landmarks that stick out in my mind, and you can just see kind of poking out where UTEP plays its football games, uh, like carved right into the mountain. I always thought that was so cool. And I knew once I got to El Paso, I was a little, little more than halfway there. So it was a city I was always excited to see. I'll tell you something else. There is probably no drive uh, more picturesque than than going from Phoenix to San Antonio, right? There's just there's just so much to see along the side of the road for that 14-and-a-half-hour drive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I might have to push back ever so slightly on certain parts, which is why, again, when I would see El Paso and, I don't know, civilized society, a place to take a break, I, I love just catching my breath for about an hour before, I don't know, going, what, another 400 miles uh, out east before we get to San Antonio. So, yeah, I, cool place. I wish I could honestly spend more time besides getting a bite to eat, you know, filling up the tank. But uh, maybe maybe we'll have some time in the, in the next couple of years to actually see what, what El Paso is all about. 
Tell me what this season's been like for you, filling in for uh, Greg Schulte, uh, who's been the longtime voice of the Diamondbacks, and, and having a chance to see a team so far that has actually played well, only 12 under 500. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, they'd probably say that the Diamondbacks have exceeded some expectations this year. Yeah, I think for me, um, you know, I spent five years in the minors, four seasons. Obviously, we didn't have the 2020 years. So just to be part of that major league experience and to see major league baseball up close in person is all I could have ever asked for, you know, from a professional standpoint. And I never thought that, that I would have the chance to work for, you know, the hometown team. Obviously when you're, you're trying to position yourself as a, as a desirable candidate to maybe work in the big league, that was a place I certainly thought I'd have a possibility, but it was a lot of luck where things kind of fell into place. So to work there and to work with Greg and to watch him do his thing after spending a lot, not just of my childhood, but adolescence and growing up. I mean, I've listened to like a thousand Greg Schulte called baseball games. So to, to sit there in person and watch the magic happen is, is a really cool thing. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm filling in more than, than I expected and, I'm excited because he's going to be calling these next six games at home, you know, that national series and obviously have the Giants coming in as well. So it's great that he's, you know, feeling good once again. And uh, I don't know, man, like life, life on the road is unbelievable. And again, just, I'm, I, I described it to somebody else. I have never experienced, you know, professional joy than I have calling these games. And I know that the team right now is it's had its ups and downs, but like, I have probably once a week this moment of like, I can't believe this is what I get to do. And this is like the coolest thing in the world. So you're right. I think the team has exceeded expectations just given how last year went. I think if you do your homework uh, and you see why the team was as bad as it was last year, a lot of injuries to the starting rotation is where I always point to first. So healthy rotation, pretty much everyone's made their starts except for Zach Gallon missed one start and Zach Davies has obviously missed, but the last five turns in the rotation that's why they're better. Obviously, work to go. So very curious to see how they look in the second half. And I know the trade deadline, everyone's going to be looking at this team. Are they sellers? Who might be the most desirable pieces? And we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But I'm sure for a lot of teams, it's going to be a very busy couple of weeks stretch. Chris Graziola with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Um, I, You know, for us here in El Paso... We have ties to the Diamondbacks. Years ago, when the Diablos were around as a double-A affiliate in the Texas League in, in the 90s and early 2000s, the Diamondbacks uh, were the double-A team here uh, in El Paso. So there are a lot of people locally that still remember the Diamondbacks. In fact, the Diablos had that uh, purple logo, the Chili D logo for years, which was the same colors as the Diamondbacks at the time. So we know uh, the franchise well from those years. And then Sunday, Chris, we find out that Ivan Melendez gets drafted in the second round by Arizona. So all of a sudden, you got all these El Pasoans that are again thinking Diamondbacks because without a doubt, uh, the best college baseball slugger uh, in 2022 and one of the greatest sluggers of all time with all the home runs he hit ends up uh, being a Diamondback. I mean, the Hispanic Titanic, is there a better nickname in sports right now? I think you know, we were we were kind of monitoring what was happen, happening during the draft, and, and I think this was such an outstanding draft, and a lot of a lot of credit goes to that front office, Mike Hazen and his entire staff, the work that they put in, because the ability to get Drew Jones, the ability to get an Ivan Melendez. You know, we were hearing murmurs at the time of that pick that 
you know, the D-backs really wanted to try and get a college bat after taking Landon Sims and with that comp A pick. And the fact that he was still on the board, the fact that you have a chance to take a Golden Spikes winner with the production that he has had, the way the game has shifted towards home runs, I think is absolutely huge for this franchise. And I think that what you're seeing right now with this team in terms of its struggles is the fact that, you know, it, Steve, there's just not a lot of offense. You know, the pitching was so great in the months of April and May. It was a little inconsistent. We knew they might regress a little bit. But April, the offense really struggled. June, the offense really struggled. So I think that he could be on one of these accelerated tracks to get to the big leagues, you know, assuming he doesn't run into any hiccups in AA and AAA as well. This is just a win-win all around. And I think that as you talk about the ties to El Paso, I mean, I remember in, in Little League being part of the El Paso Diablos, that flexing chili pepper. I mean, the biceps on that thing were out of control. But I also remember as a kid sitting in my dad's office, you know, I would, he did on, his, on his whiteboard, every player that was in the system, big league and minor league, and I would look at that El Paso section and all the names that would run down there. So I think the ties are still there, even though the Chihuahuas, have been wildly successful. I've been told that's a place you got to check out a minor league game if you have the chance. So, again, a trip to El Paso, hopefully in the next couple of years, and we'll do it all. But excited for Ivan Melendez and just excited because it really feels, I think, a need that the team was desperately searching for. More with Chris Caragiola as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's send it back to Adrian here in our 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios with this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, thank you, Adrian. Continuing our conversation right now with Chris Garagiola. I look at the Diamondbacks organizational chart from a prospect standpoint, and there aren't a lot of first basemen right now uh, in the system that are at least looked at as future foundation pieces. And then you've got Christian Walker, who has been pretty much anchoring that spot the last couple of seasons, um, and yet his name's been discussed in possible trade talks. Um, you all also look at third, and the reason I bring up third, Chris, is this is fascinating to me. Ivan told me yesterday that uh, when he starts his pro career, the Diamondbacks want to test him out at third in the Cal League because that's his favorite position. Told us this months ago at Texas that his third is he feels the most comfortable at, so the Diamondbacks are going to figure, let's see what we've got there, and then you can always go to first as a fallback, but from the organizational depth chart, it just seems like as long as I Ivan can hit. There is such a perfect path for him with the Diamondbacks uh, to eventually get up to the big leagues. Yeah, I think that, you know, for players, they need to understand that the more that they produce, the more they're going to be able to dictate, you know, where they play, where they want to play, things like that. So, you know, obviously Josh Rojas is healthy. He's hitting, you know, for a high average at the big league level. He's the everyday third baseman now and probably in the future. But, Melendez, if that's his, if that's the position that he prefers, if that's the position he's most comfortable at, I think it would be insane to start him anywhere else. Let him develop and let him thrive. Look, if he becomes a better player than Josh Rojas, that's a good problem for the Diamondbacks to have because Rojas is a really good third baseman. And I think so many of these teams, when they're in these rebuilding phases, and I'm not necessarily saying that this is a rebuild because, again, You know, 2020 juxtaposed to 2021 are two very bizarre years to try and evaluate. But if you're always adding better players, it's hard to have a bad team. Where teams struggle 
is they maybe don't identify the right caliber of player in the draft or they really struggle to develop that player. And so you don't have players that are ready to ascend to the majors. And as your good players leave, you're replacing them with, with below average players. The Diamondbacks, where they have been really successful is early in the draft. And that's where you need to be at your best. You need to get your first-round pick right. If you have a comp pick, you need to try and get that right. You can get those second-round picks right. That is how you develop really strong teams. Because I've already seen in a half season of big league baseball, when we play the Padres and they're missing Manny Machado, yeah, it's just one player, right? You have eight other players in that lineup that can hit, that can try and produce runs. I'm telling you, Steve, it's a very different team with one guy out of the lineup. And it works the other way. You get one young player that you insert into the lineup. We saw the impact that Alec Thomas is having offensively and defensively. I'm trying to do the math here because it's a little complicated. But if he qualifies, he's going to win the gold glove at center field. I'm telling you right now. Like, that's how good that he has been. So if you get a player like a Melendez, if you get a player like a Drew Jones three or four years down the road, and they're immediately impactful, this team is going to be shooting straight upwards. And I have no problem, again, Melendez starting at third. Because if he turns into a world-class third baseman, believe me, that's a good problem for the D-backs to have. They need depth and they need quality. And it seems like they're on the right path to achieving both. And it's a fun division. I mean, especially with the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, and at times the Rockies. Um, you know, there was a period to hear the first couple of months of the season where everybody was over 500. And you're looking at this division going, wow, nobody really expected the NOS to be this solid top to bottom. I don't think so. Um, I do think that a little bit of it was, was fool's gold. I know that a lot of people looked at the start that the Rockies had. That's a team that admittedly has always had kind of good starts at home April, May. Then as, you know, the season moves along, they seem to struggle. That's obviously taking place a little bit. I was really surprised with how the Giants looked. They had a phenomenal April and May when we saw them at Chase Field, uh, I think in the, in the latter part of June. I'm sorry, it was 4th of July, first time we saw them. Really surprised with the way that they played. And Tom Candiotti, our great analyst, talked about it as well. Just the, the sloppiness that we had seen um, – I'd be very curious to see what they do at the deadline because I think that's a team that is in desperate need of a, of a few more stars and obviously the loss of a Buster Posey. Kevin Gosman, I know he struggled in the second half, but he was a really wonderful one-two punch with Logan Webb and Anthony DiScofani. When healthy, great, but for you know the better part of four or five years now, he just hasn't been super durable for the duration of a season. Also a hot take for you, Steve? I think that the party that the Dodgers have had in the last 10 to 12 years atop the National League West is going to start coming to an end because some of the guys that they develop that turn into stars, I mean, I don't want to say it's luck here because they have a ton of resources and a ton of people part of that staff, but they were just producing MVP caliber players, Cy Young caliber players. I mean, you do that every year, awesome. You're going to be great for 50 years. Like, But it's just so hard to do that, so... Clayton Kershaw has been unbelievable this year. I think it's great to see what he's done. Awesome for the game. But there is an expiration date on him. You are seeing some issues with Walker Bueller. You kind of look back at the rest of the starting rotation beyond that. I don't think Tony Gonsolin is going to be able to recreate these numbers for five or six years. And I don't think they're going to be as dominant as they've been. So in the next two to three years, look for a free-for-all in the National League West. The records might not be as strong, but... It's going to be just as wildly entertaining as it's been, I think, the last couple of seasons. 
Before I wrap it up with you, Chris Graziola has been our guest here. Um, I, I got to just ask you, the family that you've grown up in, it, it's unbelievable, legendary, and not just your dad, your grandfather. You know, it's funny. I've been at this 27 years, and I've interviewed both of them over the years. In fact, when I had Joe Graziola and Tony Kubek on in separate interviews, I thought, okay, that's it. That's my – I can't do any better than that. I grew up watching them together on, on NBC in the 70s and 80s. And when I was able to get the two of them, I was like, wow, that's you can't get any better than that. Now, growing up in your family, it's crazy because I'm assuming that – you probably knew from when you were in diapers, this is what you were going to be doing. Something involving baseball, whether it's broadcasting or front office work. I mean, you're not going to become a musician, Chris. You're going to be, uh, you got to look at something like this and say to yourself, it's got to be baseball. You know, uh, I can't push back too hard on that. I mean, for the longest time, I thought I was going to be a player until, you know, basically zero college scholarships, zero interest in being drafted, pretty much made the message loud and clear, not going to happen for you on that front. And that's fine, believe me. I couldn't cut it as a player. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, like a lot of, you know, 16 to 20-year-olds. But what I did remember as I kind of started to make a decision was how much joy my grandfather had, you know, watching baseball and talking about baseball. I saw what my dad did on the front office side of things. He was just built different, man. You know, he had that lawyer, God, that lawyer education, that mind that could remember so much, so many different things. But he also had a work ethic that was second to none. And, you know, frankly, I didn't have either one of those things. So I kind of knew front office life probably wasn't going to be the thing for me. And I just remember as a kid never being afraid of public speaking. I did love sports. I did want, you know, watching sports. It didn't matter what was on you know, I was going to be glued to it. And I love making my friends laugh and swapping stories and things like that. You think about a good baseball broadcast, you hopefully have a couple laughs. You hopefully learn a couple things on the way. And hopefully you see something you've never seen before. That's the beauty of the game. And so I said, at least while I have the ability to, I'm going to give it a shot. And like I said, I was in the minors for, for five years, four seasons. And for about three and a half, I wasn't sure if I was – good enough to cut it i mean there were a lot of days of doubt and i would have been fine giving it another i don't know four to five more years and if it didn't work out steve it didn't work out i figure something else out with my life because that's that's what we do you know you've been doing this for almost 30 years and there's got to be a, a certain amount of joy that you have coming back to the office seeing those red lights come on you're on the air and just running free and seeing where this thing takes you and that's what you know live sports is for me and i hope to have you know 26 more years and and maybe a few more doing what I'm doing. Enjoy the ride, and I'm hoping that uh, when, in fact, uh, Ivan gets an opportunity to make his big league debut in a couple years, you're on the mic calling it. I think that would be only fitting. Hey, hopefully. And you know what? If we get to that point, we'll get you out here. I'll get you a couple tickets to the game. How's that? You can do an in-person interview. Fair enough. I think we I think we got a deal, Chris. Very good. Um, hey, if you want to learn more about Chris Graziola, there was a terrific profile from a few months back. Uh, Zach Buchanan wrote it uh, on theathletic.com, so definitely check that out. Must-read material, and he's been great with us uh, here on the program. We're going to come back with more. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 48 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. Brad uh, Shepard's going to join us coming up in hour number two to talk about the big news with Vince McMahon retiring today from professional wrestling. You know, a lot of us thought Vince would never retire, that he would die while he was running the WWE. 
But apparently it took a couple of good sex scandals, uh, at least the alleged scandals, from uh, you know all the reports in the Wall Street Journal. And uh, it doesn't sound good. So Brad's going to sort it out for us and let us know uh, what to expect and what the what is wrestling going to look like without Vince McMahon running it? That's the most incredible thing. The man's been, you know, he was a part of his dad's, uh, when his dad was owning uh, the WWF back in those days. It was the three W's. Then it just became the WWF. Then it became the WWE because the World Wildlife Foundation sued over the name. So they became World Wrestling Entertainment. And now that his daughter Stephanie is going to be running this along with um, Nick Khan and uh, Triple H. I'm so interested to talk to uh, you know Brad and find out what the future of a Vince McMahonless uh, WWE could look like. Yeah, it's uh you know there's it's been a tumultuous couple of years I guess for the WWE. So how do they navigate after Vince McMahon and after all these scandals have come to life? That's a huge question I have as well. And I totally agree with you. So that's coming up ten minutes from now, right after Sports Center at the top of our five o'clock hour. Our phone number five zero five six zero zero nine. That's 505-6009. As we continue here on Sports Talk from our 600 ESPN El Paso Lube and Go Studios, uh, where we broadcast the show from each and every day, let's go to Jason. He joins us next and wants to get in on the uh, WWE talk. Is this is this our Jason, uh, by any chance? I, I'm not sure. I, I couldn't decipher who it was. All right. Uh, Jason, welcome aboard. What's going on? Steve, yes, it's me. It's me. I'm, I'm, it is I'm in shock. I'm in shock. I'm in awe. I don't even know how to think about this right now. I had to go to a bar to swallow my my inner child. I don't. I'm broken. But saw it coming. Listen, everything that I've been reading about what's going to be coming down is bad. So I think Vince got out before he was uh, forced out is ultimately going to be yeah. the situation. I'll get, I'll, we'll get that confirmed when Brad Shepard joins us here coming up uh, at the 5 o'clock hour. But ultimately, it stays in the family. I'm just so interested to see if they do things differently than the way Vince uh, was running it. That's going to be the big question. I don't believe they will. Um, they have a, you know, kind of like a standard of how they run things. I don't think Stephanie's going to step too far out of line. If anything was going to change, uh, it would have been like, let's say, if Triple H was put into that slot where Tony Khan or where uh, Nick Khan is at, right? Um, or maybe uh, Shane, but he's not giving it to Shane, so. No, that's true. This this is a big day for us. And Triple H, uh, it was announced this morning that uh, he was returning to the company as the head of talent relations. And then there's also a rumor that the minute uh, Vince McMahon retired, Brock Lesnar walked out. uh, And he is supposed to be on uh, SmackDown tonight. And the rumor is uh, he got so upset, he left. So there's a lot of interesting drama going on right now in the WWE. No, it's much bigger than that. Um, yeah, so I saw the news of, of Brock Lesnar walking out. I was like, yo, if Vince is not here, I'm not here. But, Brock, you have a SummerSlam match with the head of the table, Roman Reigns. Maybe not. You're leaving. You're leaving. That's next week. That is next Saturday. And you're out. You already, I don't know if you've seen the rumors already. You know who they're trying to bring back, right? Um, I have seen it, yes. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm just like, why? No, just, I don't know. Make a storyline where 
where Romans says, you know what, he just got too scared. Daddy wasn't there to protect Brock, so he didn't want to go against me. And cool, I'm I'm cool with that. And then have somebody else just come in later at SummerSlam and 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 pull his card. You know, there's a money in the bank on the table. There's still that. There's still the beef between him and uh, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins is continual. That can continue for. Years. Listen that can to never you. End. Listen to you. You you sound like you need to go uh, and reunite with Monster uh, Mondo the Monster Medina and bring back Slamming It on this radio station. <laughs> but yes, right. I'm 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 just. There's a lot going on. There is. We'll have, we'll have a lot to talk about with Brad uh, Shepard coming up here in a little bit. Thanks for the call, Jason. I appreciate. It. Go enjoy uh, drinking your uh, your sorrows away with the news today of uh, Vince uh, retiring. Yes, I won't overdo it. Thank you, guys. I'll see you guys later. All right, take care. That's uh, our pal. Uh, Jason Craig, who uh, works here and uh, isn't here today, but he's at a, he's at a local watering hole and uh, apparently uh, doing just fine, right? Yeah, he sounds a little bummed, though, Steve. You can hear it in the, in the way, in his anger, the anger that he has in his voice right there. I didn't even, uh, I couldn't even tell it was Jason. He was so angry when he called in. I'm with you on that one. I agree with you completely. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, anyway, that's all uh, coming up here on the show in just a little bit. And. Uh, while you're on our website today at 600ESPNElPaso.com, check out the story Adrian just put up on the minor mafia custom shirts uh, for a UTEP dad whose son plays on the team. And as Adrian put it, pick or pass. These are some loud jerseys, Adrian. Yeah, you're exactly right. They get Fans are choosing between orange and white. Uh, these are minor mafia jerseys, and whoever, uh, you know, the minor mafia is like a tailgate crew who tailgates ahead of all the home games. They make it to some of the road games and stuff like that. But, yeah, they always make custom shirts ahead of the season, and there's a lot going on on that shirt. So I'm, I'm curious to hear from fans what they think about these. I'm happy you uh, put that story out before the cease and desist comes out, too. That's also really nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, right. That's also up at 600ESPNLPaso.com. Brad Shepard now. Next, talk about the big news with Vince McMahon retiring. Straight ahead, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. As you just heard from Adrian during SportsCenter. Big news today. Vince McMahon announced this afternoon that he's retiring as the WWE chairman and CEO effective immediately. And we knew we needed our wrestling insider to give us the lowdown on what the heck is going on today in the WWE. So, of course, we're bringing back Brad Shepard to the program. He is the host of Brad Shepard Unleashed, uh, not to mention on Patreon.com. He's got his Unleashed Extra as well. So if you subscribe to Brad's uh, Patreon.com service, you get the bonus material. But we've got Brad uh, here with us uh, to begin our second of three today on the program. Um, Mr. Shepard, it's great to have you back, and uh, I'll just ask you, we knew for Vince for a while now, since this Wall Street Journal story first came out, that um, it was just going to get worse before it got better. In your mind, is today's news uh, just Vince getting out before he would eventually be forced out by his board? Yeah, good to be with you as always, Steve. I think uh, the resignation today is more or less Vince deciding that he doesn't want to be a distraction for the company anymore. And uh, and obviously there is additional information and accusations coming out. Uh, we don't know what those are yet, but I think this is Vince's way of not being as a distraction for the company and impeding its success. 
he grew up in this business with his dad, started out working for him probably in the 60s and 70s. Then he buys it from his father in the 80s, turns it into a billion-dollar brand, and ultimately has become one of the most powerful uh, individuals in all of uh, sports entertainment. And that's why when you look at the legacy he leaves behind, uh, very few can actually say that they've done what Vince has all these years. And yet, at the same time, uh, so many he's responsible for so many things. A lot of us were wondering, would Vince ever step down, Brad? Or would he be one of these individuals that you know would, would be uh, working in the WWE uh, until he's no longer with us? Well, Vince is certainly a pioneer in the professional wrestling industry. Um, there really, truly is only one Vince McMahon in that regard. Uh, but I never really foresaw Vince McMahon retiring. Uh, you know, obviously something like this, you could understand that. But outside of that, I, I totally saw Vince McMahon continuing to work until he couldn't anymore. I agree with you 100%. And uh, once we heard that he tweets out that he's retiring, and then the story started to circulate with the press releases from uh, the WWE. And, and in their news release, they announced that there will be co-CEOs, and that's his daughter Stephanie, along with the president right now of WWE, Nick Khan. So let's start out uh, just by looking at those two in general. And um, is, is this really the probably a no-brainer in terms of when you're looking to replace Vince McMahon, uh, Stephanie and Nick, did they seem like the most uh, logical replacements, even as co-CEOs in your opinion? I think it's the most stable and logical choice, and here's why. Um, Stephanie McMahon is a good brand ambassador, uh, and more than anything, she's a McMahon. So you're telling the shareholders, yes, Vince is stepping down, but you still have a McMahon in charge. So there is some comfort in that. And when you talk about Nick Khan, he has been tremendously successful for WWE's bottom line. He's provided stability, record profits. So I think between the two of them, they're providing the most ideal situation possible outside of Vince himself. I'm with you on that one. Brad Shepard with us here on Sports Talk. Add to that the news earlier in the day that Stephanie's husband, Paul Levesque, known uh, to a lot of wrestling fans as Triple H, would be returning also to the company as the head of talent relations. Now, this is interesting to me because I know uh, Triple H was very, very uh, vested and probably still is in the NXT brand, which is essentially like the WWE's AAA developmental um, uh, company that they have where wrestlers, uh, you know, I don't, don't want to say they hone their craft, but in a sense, a lot of them will go from NXT then to, to the main roster. With Triple H coming back, uh, is that also something that is is ultimately going to be good for the company, in your opinion? I would certainly question that. I mean, I certainly think as a professional wrestler, his resume speaks for itself. But when you're talking about a business executive, uh, to me, you have to look at his track record as far as running that NXT developmental brand you just talked about. And for quite some time, it was a money loser and he kind of took that vision of a developmental and turned it into more of uh, an independent wrestling company in a way. And so they got away from that vision. So 
I'm not sure about that. I think that remains to be seen, but certainly he'll have the support of his wife, Stephanie McMahon, and obviously Nick Khan as well. Brad, you tweeted out earlier that uh, the wrestlers that were uh, uh, ready tonight for the SmackDown show, which I guess starts in less than an hour now, were told about this. Um, what is, uh, from what your sources told you, what was their reaction when they when they really heard this this news for the first time? A lot of surprise. So WWE held an employee meeting. I'm told it lasted about three minutes. Uh, Stephanie and, and Nick held that. They talked about working together, moving forward. Obviously, they said no one can replace Vince. And then they particularly shouted out uh, John Porco, Kevin Dunn, and Bruce Pritchard as people for the employees to lean on going forward. Uh, but then, obviously, the talent finding out was another asset to this as well. And Brock Lesnar actually walked out of the building uh, where they're having SmackDown tonight televised live. And this was directly because of the Vince McMahon move. And Brock Lesnar is arguably their biggest attraction in the company. And they were trying to get him back in time for the show, which begins 8 Eastern. I don't know, as we're talking about this, if that's going to happen. But Brock was also their biggest match at SummerSlam in eight days. And, And so that has tremendous impact on the company, depending on how that plays out. I've been told Brock and Vince uh, have a terrific relationship, and most of the negotiation for Brock over the years has come directly with Vince, and he might not be as close to everybody else at the top like he is to McMahon. Is that true? Yep, that is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I mean, Brock Lesnar is a guy who essentially came into WWE very young. He grew up in WWE in a lot of ways and has said he looks at Vince McMahon as sort of a father figure. So I think for a lot of the uh, talents who've worked with Vince McMahon for a long time, this is something that, you know, was shocking to them, something that they took personal because they have that bond with Vince. A lot of us are wondering what wrestling without Vince is going to look like. I guess we'll find out now with him retiring, is he going to be completely removed from uh, the company he's built up into this monster? Or do you think there's a way he'll still stay connected in some way, shape, or form, Brad? Well, I'm told he's not going to be involved in the company. But you have to imagine, obviously, his daughter is co-CEO. He's also going to remain the largest shareholder, right? So... He'll always be, to some degree, invested in the success of WWE. But I think this does mark a really, truly a certain period for the company and for the industry as a whole, they say, as WWE goes, so goes the industry. And so there is this level of justified uncertainty. And WWE has done a nice job of trying to transition through this and, and putting, as we talked about, Nick and Stephanie in charge. But there is some aspect of wait and see on the direction of the company post Vince McMahon as CEO and chairman. Totally agree with that. And I know probably one group that's also very interested in, in these next few weeks and months is going to be AEW. And even though they are probably the chief competition for the WWE, uh, Vince never really looked at them as, as a real threat. I'm sure they probably feel like if there was ever a time to try and capitalize, it would be now. It certainly would be. Uh, Tony Khan, who is their CEO, 
took to social media to uh, almost take a shot at Vince McMahon and WWE or gloat, um, saying that he was now the longest-running CEO in professional wrestling, which is not true, but uh, certainly it, it didn't come off as well as perhaps he thought it would on social media to uh, pro wrestling fans. By the way, um, Tony Khan, just to be clear, is not related to Nick Khan, correct? They just so happen to have the same last name. That is absolutely correct. No relation at all. One interesting thing now that Stephanie is in charge with Nick is going to be what happens with the talent. You mentioned Brock. Uh, That's going to be a really interesting storyline with SummerSlam eight days away. I'm also interested to see what kind of resolution happens with um, uh, two female wrestlers who have been out of the company for over a month now, and that's Sasha Banks and Naomi. Uh, They walked out prior to a Raw taping, and you wonder, with Stephanie now as co-CEO, will she make it a priority to try to bring them back or stay firm with the, the decision to keep them off the roster? I think that's such a smart question because you know, again, it goes to the strategy of WWE moving forward. And uh, you talk about Stephanie and the women's evolution and uh, and working with the talents closely. So there is that opportunity if they're interested in staying. Um, so we'll certainly see how that uh, plays out. Brad, this is fascinating to me. It, it really is because, um, once again, the biggest thing is not just the fact that Vince is out, but people don't realize how much control he had over this operation, especially the televised portions. Always there, talking to the on-air talent, kind of giving them, uh, you know, whether it was uh, ideas or things. I mean, he had such a Big, big part of the day-to-day operation, especially from the uh, from the broadcast aspect. Absolutely, and I think that's one of the unique things about the pro wrestling industry, rather than your typical corporation where the CEO would certainly not be that involved in day-to-day of a company that size, but Vince was very involved, and I think that goes to the uncertainty moving forward because, as you mentioned, his hands, they're in so much, including especially the TV and creative aspect what they what they put on on their shows raw and smackdown each week there are premium live events on peacock he's very very hands-on and involved in that and now he won't be there's also a book that i know is in the works and a possible documentary so you also wonder how all of those projects uh what happens as a result of uh, the news today uh, there could certainly be projects pulled or projects coming forward that we weren't aware of at this point to uh, capitalize on the situation. It is certainly a major story in the industry. Yeah, he's going to have a little time on his hands, that's for sure. All right, uh, you've got your Unleashed uh, podcast comes out every Thursday, so that'll be coming out next Thursday. You'll have a ton to talk about, but tell me also about uh, what you've got coming up uh, on Patreon.com with your Unleashed Extra. I'm sure you're going to have something uh, brewing uh, with the news today. Absolutely. Patreon.com forward slash Brad Shepard Unleashed, S-H-E-P-A-R-D. I'm going to have an entire Unleashed Extra episode this weekend, specifically talking about the situation, the company strategy moving forward. It's going to be a fascinating conversation, and you can listen for just $4 a month. Awesome. 
Patreon.com, again, slash uh, Brad Shepard Unleashed, and he mentioned it, S-H-E-P-A-R-D. If you want to follow him on Twitter, that's another recommendation. Uh, Brad does such a good job. It's Brad Shepard on Twitter. That's at It's Brad Shepard. All right, my friend, good to have you back on the show. Appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for giving us the lowdown today. Absolutely, thanks. Brad Shepard, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's go to Charlie One for traffic. We got a whole lot more in store for you. A.J. Hodgkins coming up here at the top of our 6 o'clock hour, and then we'll get a little Chihuahuas baseball with uh, story time and hags coming up at 645. First, though, out to Charlie One, and here's traffic. 22 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. You want to weigh in today, 505-6009. That's our telephone number, 505-6009. It's going to be a busy 6 o'clock hour with A.J. Hodgkins coming into our Lubingo Studios and also Tim Haggerty joining us with story time. Excited about all that. It's been, a, you know, for us, a, a fun start to the show. That's for sure. And uh, just looking at a lot of the, uh, the sports headlines right now. By the way, I heard, it's so interesting, it hasn't been confirmed yet, I heard that Ivan Melendez signed. We don't have the particulars yet. One report I heard was 1.5. So I'm not 100% sure as the dollar figure if he signed under slot at the 1.8 slot or over. But one number I did hear was 1.5. Very interesting right there, Steve. It goes just a little bit under what what we were thinking at 1.8. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll get the final number here soon. Nothing has been made official on Twitter. Uh, I've been refreshing that one on my end. So, yeah, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what the final number is. I'm looking forward to it no matter what he gets. uh, You know, folks, uh, it's going to be a pretty good payout for him. And then once he finishes his school, he'll get up and running and, and get started. And, by the way, I'm excited about the weekend. I don't know about all of you. There's so much much to do sports galore um i mean there's just where do i start oh here's where i start you know what it's the weekend we all have to get ready because of the movies you're gonna head out to the cinemas probably go check out a movie and if it's alamo draft house good for you they sponsor adrian's movie review each and every day adrian let's talk about the big one today yeah alamo draft house is where i was last night got a chance to watch jordan peele's nope uh thought it was fantastic nine out of ten bananas for me if you like ufo Ooh. movies sci-fi movies suspenseful movies you'll like this one uh nope out in uh theaters at alamo draft house east and west you can get tickets online at drafthouse.com this the movie i watched uh, yesterday um or uh, last weekend, I should say, toy soldiers. Steve, terrorist Luis Cali takes a pre- takes over a prep school along with these terrorists in the U.S. and, it, and they take it over as a hostage situation. Cali uh, is looking for uh, the son of a judge that has his father. Uh, in prison and kind of going through this trial process, who is a drug kingpin, Enrique Kali. Um, the school is filled with a bunch of rich kids, but they are rebellious, Steve. They are they are rebellious kids, and some of them were even kicked out of uh, public school and had to go here to this prep school, uh, you know, in order to uh, have a chance to actually go to a place where they could uh, learn and go to school.
school. Well, students Billy, Joey, Snuffy, and Hank, they work together to try to find a way out, and uh, they, they, um, they don't really want to rely on the government officials like the police, the FBI, to try to bail them out of this situation. Uh, one of the funny scenes was where Billy obtains information uh, from the terrorists. He escapes to tell the police, and then he breaks back into the school despite the police's, uh, you know, pleading uh, for him not to go back in. He goes back into the school with all the uh, the other students. Uh, and yeah, maybe this one did have a predictable plot and a predictable finish. Police converse at the end. Uh, you know, they they th- thanks to all the students who ended up helping. Billy leads the way, and he's kind of the uh, the spearhead in this whole situation. Luis gets killed when, when it's all said and done. Uh, predictable plot, but nice gimmicks, nice pranks throughout this film. A couple uh, facts, trivia for you out of this one in Toy Soldiers. Uh, Sean S. Aston and Keith Coogan are the respective stepson and grandson of John Aston and Jackie Coogan, who both appeared on The Addams Family back in 1964. Um, one of the other things that I found pretty interesting about this is the movie Major Pain, which was uh, released in 1995, was also filmed at the same school as this one, Toy Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Soldiers. This one came out in 1991. You could watch it for free on Roku or on Crackle uh, for free movies. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes hated this film, Steve. They gave it 38%. IMDb uh, thought it was okay uh, out of this one. I thought it was okay as well. I'm going to give it 6 out of 10 bananas. Not my favorite. Um, It did not stand the test of time for me, at least. What did you not like about it? What was it that kept it from going from a 6 to a 9 out of 10 bananas? I I just thought it was really predictable. I thought it was a predictable plot. You kind of figured, ah, they're going to get out of this the uh the police are kind of incompetent in this situation along with the other government officials who try to bail them out of the terrorists uh yeah and then you got to give credit to the uh the teacher in this uh, whole movie as well uh dean and so yeah that they uh all the school members themselves were the ones who ended up getting themselves out of this situation all right so uh six out of ten for you for uh, for toy soldiers but uh still Adding it to the collection, by the way, this was from 91. So, you know, this was uh, a movie that did not uh, make the 80s. But I'll say this, some great names in this one. Sean Astin, Will Wheaton was in this as well. I haven't seen many uh, of these Arlie guys. Arlie Ermey was in this movie. Louis Gossett Jr. is a classic. He was a part of this movie as well. There's some good names in this movie. So Sean Astin's Rudy, right? Yes. That's, that's who he, Okay, okay, yes. good. Because when I, and he's also uh, not Frodo, but Sam, I think, right, from Lord of the Rings, something like that? I believe Maybe. so. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, I, I got you. All right. Anyway, um, no problem. Listen, it's, it's interesting just because it was 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, so you're like right in line with that. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Like it was just, it was a fine film. Uh, I'm yeah. excited about this weekend. I got, I got uh, to do a new list, Steve. I got to do like kind of like a revised list and, and start getting some more uh, recommendations. It's not like I have only like ten left, but it's starting to the the numbers are starting to go down as far as the movies I need to watch. Really, you don't have that many left. I, I don't want to say I'm like under twenty, but I'm I'm kind of hovering around there. I think. That's it. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll add to the collection. Don't worry. This is not Definitely. this is not stopping anytime soon. So. Okay, let's uh, um, let's go back to the '60s, maybe the '50s or something like that too. By the way, Sean Austin, uh, Sean Astin uh, debuted in the Goonies. Uh, he was Mikey. Ah, okay. In that movie. Nice. Uh, uh, Chad Middleton, a huge fan of Toy Soldiers. Oh man, I'm sorry. Huge fan. 
So yes, you uh, unless you didn't give it a four or a three. Yeah, it was fine. It was fi- I, you know, it's one of those I'd even watch again. So it was fine. It was a fine film. Um, I can't believe you only have twenty left on the list. I'm gonna have, I'll add to that soon enough. Don't worry about that. We'll, Thank we'll, you. We'll bump. We'll bump that list up a little bit. Sounds so good to we'll me. Bulk it up. All right. To our bottom of the hour, folks, as we continue midway point to the show. Uh, so much more to get to. Five zero five six zero zero nine. But first, let's recap. Adrian, middle of the show with Sports Center. Thank you very much. Uh, 31 now past the hour as Sports Talk continues. 505-6009, our telephone number. You can tweet the show as well. At 600 ESPN El Paso. And also, chat with us uh, in real time when you're listening to us on our free mobile app. You'll have the opportunity to chat as well. So that's the uh, those are the easy ways to get right on in and through to the program. Um, interesting story about the Big Ten and how football players of the conference have been discussing issues with league commissioner Kevin Warren this week. Uh, Essentially, Big Ten athletes are smart, especially in football. They want a bigger voice in the future, and they also want to improve benefits for players. So that is interesting when you start to think about it. Um, Sean Clifford is a quarterback at Penn State. He met, was part of the group with, uh, with Warren, uh, said it's a start to giving players a seat at the table in future decisions with the league. Now, he also said that they have no intention to create a union or enter into a contentious negotiation with the league at this point. They just want to have uh, an opportunity to improve things for players. Specifically, uh, they want improvements in medical care, which I, don't, I can't blame them for. But here's the interesting thing. A share of future revenue. Now, let me repeat that. Players want a share of future revenue. Now, you have to understand something, okay? The SEC and the Big Ten are going to separate themselves from everybody else in college football, and they are going to have a monster deal. I mean a monster deal. We are talking billions. And the players aren't dumb. They realized, hey, you know what? This, this league is going to get so rich. How, if we're the ones putting our bodies on the line to put butts in the seats and make this happen, how are we not getting anything? So I agree with the players here. I really do. Knowing what the future is going to bring in college sports and how the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be the two most preeminent leagues in all of college sports these guys would be idiots if they didn't go and try to get themselves a piece of it right now before it's before it's exploded. Yeah, and those who say, well, I mean, how much can you really ask or how much can you really give to some of these players in these situations? Well, when when it's all said and done, when these two conferences renegotiate the te- television deals, that number is going to be that's that number is going to have a lot of zeros in it. Let's just yes, put it, it that way. Um, and another thing with this uh, whole TV revenue or whatever kind of revenue it is, I think this is just warranted for. The Big Ten SEC players, if you're talking about these two conferences holding the uh, most elite talent across college sports, then why not pay some of these player, players accordingly 
Steve, on these campuses, how many more new practice facilities can we open? How many new statues can we put on and and take athletic money from from those things? And why can't we allocate some of those funds to players to help them out? And the medical thing, that should be something that they start tomorrow because these athletes who need medical insurance and who uh, struggle with these injuries post their college career, they're the ones having to suffer with all those medical bills. Not only that, how about the fact that they want funds from the conference to purchase medical insurance policies for former players that uh, would cover the treatment of injuries from their college football careers. Love the fact that the uh, college athletes today are looking at past players to get them taken care of. I think that is a great idea. Yeah, and it could just be basic things like screening for CTE, which some of these college students who never get a chance to play in the NFL still suffer with. And maybe it's not even CTE. Maybe it's things like an Achilles injury that really hasn't healed right or an injury that they dealt with throughout their college career that they never really could get uh, treated uh, for while they were in college. Maybe they were playing through some of these injuries like that. And I do believe that they should get a percentage of media rights revenues. The players should. Absolutely they should. They're the ones – they're the reason – that these conferences are going to, um, you know, command the kind of deals they're getting. Uh, they really are. Now, the interesting thing is going to be, uh, look, because here's the deal, okay? You want the best of the best to go, you know, they, they go to the SEC and they go to the Big Ten. And if these conferences try to lowball the players and say, nah, you're not getting a cut of any of this, then they're going to go to other leagues because they're going to say, the heck with you. They'll go to other leagues, and the other leagues will be smart because if I was the Big 12 and the Big 10 says no to this and I was the Big 12, I would immediately say, hey, we'll give you guys a cut of our of our deal. Come to us. That's the easiest way to try and, 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 take, your, and take your conference and move it up a couple notches. And then all of a sudden, you start to see that the best talent in the country doesn't go to the SEC and go to the Big 10. So to me, if you're going to be the best – you have to. You're gonna to have to start giving a little bit now, and and the guys that go to these conferences and go to these teams, they're gonna get a cut of the pie because they realize how much money is gonna be on the table right now. And there's a lot of creative ways you can do things like this. You can have uh, athletes, per, uh, you know, go inside your promos that you run on these different television me- networks where you stream these games or you televise these games. You can have these athletes do some creative things so they get compensated as you know as these media rights uh, deals strike. And I. And you know another thing, you could even think outside the box. What about that NCAA video game that's kind of you know waiting in the background behind all of this? Why not give some of the revenue to some of these players for everybody who purchases video games like this? I think there's a lot of ways that these athletes could benefit and and profit off their likeness that the NCAA hasn't really thought about yet. Well, here's the thing, okay, and this is really interesting. If the Big Ten does not make progress on doing more for players, they're going to unionize. And that's going to be a disaster for the Big Ten. They don't want to deal with a union right now. They don't. And if I'm the Big Ten, I wouldn't want to go there. So I don't feel like the players are coming and asking for an unreasonable thing. They just want a seat. So the interesting thing is going to be, will the Big Ten 
cave, give them the seat, and then will players follow suit with the SEC, realizing that it's basically 1A and 1B when you're talking about these two conferences and the future of college football? Yeah, players should start to to control their power a little bit more at the college level because they, they have a lot of weight when it comes to all this. Look at how much money donors are willing to spend on NIL dollars for some of the top-level prospects. Well, why not level out the playing field and say, hey, I get it. One specific prospect can make $1.5 million in a single season at the college level, but why not give other players at least like a $10,000 stipend, yep. uh, you know, where you get to disperse that from the television media rights that you get? What more do you need in some of these pristine uh, universities where you have everything already, it seems like, in these athletic departments? Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. All right, 21 in front of six as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, don't forget, A.J. Hodgkins is going to join us uh, to start our 6 o'clock hour. Then a little bit later in the show, we'll have uh, Hags and story time. Uh, meanwhile, movie recommendations continue to come in on uh, Twitter. Uh, have you seen Nacho Libre? Oh, my gosh. That's like one of my favorites. Right. That's like uh, yeah, That has to be like top 10 favorites of mine. Um, how about Monty Python, The Holy Grail? Yes, I have. Okay, so here's the deal. As far as I'm concerned, when you run out, like when you've got less than five to go, we'll go through round two. Okay. And, and, and then continue to add to your list so that you don't run out of movies to see. But, I, but if there's some clunkers, I mean, unless, unless that's another thing. If people, if they start recommending, you know, movies that are two out of 10, then, then we've got an issue. But, you know, I'll, I'll let you know if there's movies that are not worth seeing. Yeah, you can filter them out for me, Steve. That'd be good. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, the greatest championship ring ever was given out yesterday. It's got so much bling to it. I don't even know how they're going to be able to make a $40 replica. We'll tell you all about it and uh, the highlights when Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. It's our final hour here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. A.J. Hodgkins is someone that, like me... Um, is never at a loss for words. I like that about him. He's got something to say about everything. He joins us uh, here live in our Lubingo studios to begin our final hour. He's wearing his Chuco Cigars ball cap. Nice. And, uh, and, and looks like he is in better shape than ever before. Good to see you, and uh, welcome back. How's your summer been going? It's been going awesome, man. I appreciate the introduction. <laughs> well, it's true. You know I mean, I'm... you know, when we when we get together on the show, uh, for the most part, uh, it's it's always a very lively conversation, right? Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, no, the su- summer's been going really well, just trying to stay competitive, trying to stay active, and, um, yeah, just putting myself out there and training hard. You that's, know what I mean? That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you're still, what, mid-20s? 26. Yeah, Dang, 26. Mid, you're mid-20s. I'm young. You are young. I'm young, you're, yeah. You're just a few years removed from your football career. It's incredible to think about it. So, yeah. I mean, you were, you were just wrecking havoc all over the defense a few years back at the Sun Bowl. It wasn't that long ago. It was not. No, no, no. It was not. Um, I think about it often. You know what I mean? It was about three, maybe four years ago now. Yeah. Four years ago, but time flies. It does. You know what I mean? Especially when you're having fun. I'm having fun. So, time's flying. And um, it's always awesome to be back in here, man. I appreciate the introduction. You're also the perfect example, in my mind, of someone that you played 
um, at at Oregon, but you weren't utilized there the way you probably should have been. And then you come here and you get to really see what you're truly about when you are given an expanded role. And that's one of the things I love about UTEP is when we get players like yourself who come in here and suddenly you look at them on the field and you're like, wow. How did they how did they not get a chance to really fulfill their potential at that level like what we could see here uh, playing playing for the minors? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is on me though. You know, like um you say utilize, but you know, I, I draw a lot of ba- a lot of that back to myself. Like I think the moment was too big for me a lot of the time at Oregon and I think I had a lot of internal stuff to deal with and I think UTEP helped um you know, my competitive edge, I, I got a little bit more competitive. It was like my final year, right? So it was mm-hmm. like my final year. I had to come here and like I had to, you know, like prosper. You know what I mean? And yeah. I felt good, um, you know, but I, I think a lot of it was internal. And I think a lot of it was on me. You know what I mean? And, and this is uh, one of the things that like me being a competitor now, like I, I see my internal and my like my psycholo- the psychological behind um, being competitive um, gets better and better every time I compete I get better and I get better and I think a lot of, you know like physically I've always felt good you know what I mean but yeah. now physically and mentally I feel good and I'm, I'm moving forward and um, you know doing jiu-jitsu combat sports MMA whatever it is has really given me like a second opportunity to discover myself you know what I mean so um, it's been awesome really has been it has been, been fun when you uh, had left UTEP, you were looking to play pro football, and you, you were. You were uh, given opportunities to play pro ball. When you decided to then um, transition to MMA from football, was it difficult at first, or was it a pretty smooth transition for you all in all? So, the, you know, smooth, but uh, I think the, the biggest thing about combat sports is that nobody starts out as a good combat athlete, right, because it's, it's a skill that you need to develop. So for me, the transition may have been smoother because I had the football background. I had some type of competitive edge being a football player. I was physical. I was aggressive. Um, I think all those traits are good for combat sports. However, like you still need to develop the skill level. So like when you first start, no matter who you are, you could be Aaron Donald. You could be the best athlete in the world. You go out on the mat and you're going to get mauled. And that's just the fact of the matter. I think uh, so. I think it's good for developing. Um, like it's my first time ever developing like a, a real skill set where I'm like honing in and developing a skill set. Whereas like football, naturally, I'm just like naturally a good football player. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in high school, like I picked up football, football my junior year and I just automatically excelled. It came was, easy to you. It came very easy. It's like yeah. if you're physical, fast, strong, explosive, you can just you can make it happen, make it work in football. But um, it's quite the opposite in combat sports, and I, I feel like a lot of people get discouraged because they may be big, strong, fast, explosive, but at the end of the day, you have to develop like a skill set in in in, in a, an ability to like uh, go out there and perform combat, which is interesting. You know what I mean? How uh, though, when you talk about the skill set for combat sports, okay, big, strong, fast. Those seem like traits that are still very important in combat sports. Are they, or do you find that there are people that if they really develop the skill set enough, they don't need to have some of those same characteristics to be dominant when they go into a combat sports competition? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So, like, for myself, I'm, what I'm starting to learn is, like, as I become more technical, 
like I'm able to like like someone maybe more way more technical than I am, but my like athletic ability, my competitive edge, my mentality, et cetera, et cetera, can overcome like technique. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see that a little bit tomorrow. So the guy that I'm going against is a purple belt. I'm a white belt still, um, which I don't think is an indicator of how good you are at like grappling or jujitsu or whatever the case may be. But I think you guys will get to see that tomorrow because I think that um, my my athleticism will overwhelm them. Um, my cardiovascular will overwhelm them. And I think that um, that will balance out the technique and the the skill set. You know what I mean? So let's talk belts for a second, okay? So, um, how many different color belts are there? Um, so you have white belt, you have blue belt, you have purple belt, you have brown belt, and then you have black belt. Okay, so there's five belts. Yes, you're one on the list uh, right now, number one out of five. He's three, so he's a few ahead of you. But you mentioned that some of the things, the traits you have right now, you believe can yeah. can kind of offset that. At the same time, even though you're a white belt, do you feel like as you're learning the sport, sometimes belts might not be truly indicative of the, of the skill set yeah, that you have? No, they don't matter. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, what it is is like is all the things that we talked about, right? So like yeah. skill and technique and um, your ability to perform different uh, techniques is one thing. But if you're a dominant athlete and you can start to figure out and hone in on your own technical capabilities and see what works for you, um, I don't think belt level is indicative of how good your grappling is or how but, – but it, but it is. I mean, it does mean – like you, you can't discredit somebody that has a, a brown belt, right? Sure. It's like they went and they put the time in on the mats, but at the end of the day, if you run into a better animal, then it is what it is. There's nothing they can do. You know what I mean? And so, I got you. Um, I think that's what we'll see tomorrow, and that's what I'm out to prove tomorrow. So we'll see. AJ Hodgkins with us in our Lubingo studios as we continue. Now, um, you had uh, workouts that were going viral um, about a year ago or so. I think that's yes, when it first started. We brought you on the uh, brought you on the show because you were getting a ridiculous amount of play off of that. Uh, when you started those workouts and you started to get so many people seeing it, were you already at that point involved in combat sports, or then was it just the workouts that really you were transitioning from 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 football because you were including that in, into really those those viral videos so when i first started uh making videos and uh posting content it was more football related Mm -hmm. so it was more geared towards football and now i feel like it's more geared toward like overall like functional fitness okay which i do believe is best for football as well so like for myself like i think i'd be a better football player um athletically today than i would have been three years ago because of the way that I train. Mm-hmm. But I think that combat sports has really shifted the way that I think about fitness in general. And like a lot of uh, the football world is all about how much weight can you bench? How much can you lift? How big are you? How much do you weigh? Yep. And I think it's uh, more so about like, you know, your ability to move and perform different movements. How strong are you in different ranges of motion, et cetera. So right now I'm really using my platform to kind of like push that narrative and it's helped me tremendously. And then again, I always tell people I don't know anything. You know what I mean? So like don't listen to me. Um, but it's it's working for me and it's been it's been great for me. So how long have you been involved in combat sports? Uh probably about a year now. Okay. But, you know, seriously, like where I've been putting like time and energy into it, well, like eight months. Okay. Now, you know what if, I mean? you, if, you, if you think about the eight months you've been working at this and uh-huh. you start and you talk about the start of where you were eight months ago till now, is it just night and day? It's night and day. Dude, it, it's night and day from like last month. 
like, you know, like, it's funny because, like, people are like, man, you don't worry about your opponent seeing your film online? I'm like, absolutely not. Dude, I'm going to level up next week. You know what I mean? Honestly, and I, I, I train twice a day. I don't think anybody outworks me. My diet is ridiculous. You know what I mean? And, and I, I say diet with air quotes. Nobody can see me. but We'll get to that in a second. Well, it's, I, yeah, I, yeah, but just overall, my training regimen right now, I'm extremely confident in it. And um, I feel great, dude. And I've been putting a ton of time and energy into it. And it's, it's interesting because I tweeted a, a couple of days ago and I was like, Man, like I wish uh, I knew what I knew now when I was playing football because I was wasting a bunch of time and energy doing things outside of football. But now I'm just extremely focused, extremely focused and ready to go. So you look back, uh, you look back a couple months ago, AJ, you said that you used to like black out before matches and just kind of forget about what actually happens. Can you remember what happens in matches now? Yeah, man. So that's a very interesting. uh, That's very interesting. So that's last time I was on the show, I talked about that. Um, I would have out of body experiences. I would so very similar to when I was a football player. It's kind of out of body. It's like I don't really. I'm not in my body. I'm not in my perspective. And um, I've been doing some like breath exercises. It really puts me back into like my body. And I hit like a flow state is what I call it. This may sound ridiculous, but um, when you hit a flow state, it's like you're kind of like worryless and you're just at practice. And I've always been really good at practice really good at practice, really sharp at practice. And then I'd let the nerves and the anxiety get to me, um, you know, w- when I get to the game. Yeah. And um, I think combat sports, because it's one-on-one, right, there's nowhere to hide. In football, it's very easy to hide at linebacker. It's like, oh, yeah, well, nobody really saw what was going on. Nobody saw the play. There's 10 other guys out there. Um, but in combat, it's like between you and you. you got to be ready to go immediately. So, um yeah, I mean, I, like this last weekend, I went and competed in California. I won first. I went three and zero, and I felt in my body. Not so much about the wins or losses. I never, I'm never worried about winning or losing. I'm worried about going out there and performing. You know what I mean? The way that I know I'm capable of performing. You know now what I mean? so, you're going to be performing tomorrow night. That's your next. That's your next match. Are these now considered professional matches or amateur matches? What are we talking about here? So this is a this is or a exhibition. Am- this is a I, I'm not sure. It's amateur or exhibition. It wouldn't be professional, um, but it's going to be a show. It's a professional level athlete competing. I'll tell you that much. You yeah. know what I mean? So and that's that's very honest to me. And uh, you know, so I'm excited to go out there and show everybody what I've been working on. And but I believe it's an amateur, some type of exhibition um, put on by a local promotion in El Paso. But it's a good opportunity to go uh, show uh, fighter support, local fighter support in El Paso. So um, if you guys can make it, I think it'd be um, it'd be wise too. Um, and then also sign your kids up for jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? We're gonna get to we're gonna get to that <laughs> too. Get to now, that. Okay. Uh, twelve two twenty five Rojas Drive tomorrow is where it's gonna be, and that's also gonna start, I believe, at five o'clock tomorrow is where when the first matches get going. Yeah, five o'clock. I believe I'm the co-main event tomorrow. Nice. Um, but uh, so I, I mean, I, we who knows. You know what I mean? I think I'll be on around 6 is what I'm hoping for. Okay, good. Now, yeah. listen, uh, we're going to talk more with you, so so get comfortable. All right? okay. I want to find out about this diet of yours that you're talking Let's about, do it. so we'll do that in a moment. A.J. Hodgkins with us, folks. He's in our Lubingo studios. More in a moment as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Let's talk A.J. Hodgkins with us in our uh, Lubingo studios. You can follow A.J. on Instagram. And that would be uh, the handle is underscore fit with J underscore uh, Absolutely. Is, is your Instagram handle. Then you're just uh, AJ Hodgkins on Twitter. Uh, easy ways to do it. By the way, I noticed something as I was on your uh, Instagram site. 
I noticed you have a 12-week combat sport program that's also available. I do. So I have a 12, not only that, but I have a 12-week combat sport uh, program available. So if you're into combat sports, whether that be MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, et cetera, uh, you guys could click the link in the bio. You can download that. That's a one-time buy program. I believe it's like $39.99, well worth it, 12 weeks. And then I also have a football-specific program, which is also 12 weeks. That is also on my website that you guys could click the link in the bio, and that's a one-time uh, buy as well. Excellent. And I strongly recommend both. Uh, well, um, first off, just seeing what you've, how far you've come. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the point is, just to make, make sure everybody's clear on this, the 12-week combat sport program, this has nothing to do with belts. It's not like you're going to go from one color belt to another. This is just to really give you, would you call it like a good primer this for getting a, started in combat sports? Yeah, so this, well, not even, not even it's more so for fitness. Got so it. it's more so for like, fun, is functional fitness directed towards uh, making you a better combat sport athlete? If that makes sense. So it has nothing to do with uh, technical abilities um, when it comes to combat or like yeah. skill sets, but more strength and conditioning uh, geared towards combat or geared towards football, which is the same same thing, which is in the football one is very similar to what we would do at like UTEP, Oregon. It's very similar to that. So um, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk for a moment now about your uh, your diet. Let's let's get into that. Uh, what okay. what do we? Because I see you've got yourself. You got your your gallon of water that yes. you're drinking. Your purified water. That's good. What uh, what are we doing? What are we putting in the body these I'm gonna, days? Look, I'm going to help a lot of people out right now. Let's, so let's start. Let's do it. So this is. I'm going to make it very simple. So all I do for my diet, air quotes again, is I stay away from ultra processed food. So if it has a ton of ingredients, yep, I don't eat it. If it has one ingredient, I eat it. So if it's like grass-fed beef, I'll eat it. If it's chicken, I'll eat it. But if it has a ton of ingredients, it's ultra-processed, and I don't eat it. So I eat um, from the earth, yeah. whatever whatever's natural, and that's what I believe uh, our bodies as humans run best on. So very simple. I eat um, probably you, 80%. Go let's, ahead. let's talk about like an average day. So you wake up in the morning. What, what's, what's your breakfast like? Steak and eggs. Steak and eggs for breakfast. Yeah. So you could All do, right. but there's a but there's a ton protein, of different options. Yeah. yeah. So like any any protein would be fine. So you could do you could do eggs. You could do turkey, bacon, potatoes. Sure. Right. And then as long as you're not cooking with a ton of oils or you're not processing the food or you're not using a bunch of processed ingredients, you're eating from the earth, and you will see a, a dramatic shift in your energy uh, levels, your body composition. Um, a lot of people would probably lose weight. Um, they clear up their skin. There's a there's a it's a million benefits to eating a non processed uh, diet. So whether that so really to keep it extremely simple because I've already kind of cluttered it. Uh, fruits, vegetables, meat is what I eat. Very simple. Water, right. um, orange water. juice, yeah. uh, anything that's one hundred percent naturally squeezed juice. I'll I'll drink. Um, what about milk? Whole milk, yeah. Okay. Whole um, milk. You don't do the skim stuff. You don't cut it. You go with the whole. No, I just do milk. Just, All right. Yeah. You drink coffee? I do drink coffee. There yeah, know. Strong Coffee. Check that, out my shirt. I, I Shout out to that. Strong Coffee. Where, where is <laughs> They're strong, one of my sponsors. Where is Strong Coffee? Uh, it's in Austin, Texas. Oh, really? They have a ri- – so if you guys, again, click the link in my bio. So I didn't mean to sell. You you brought it up. I but like it. Click the link in my bio, and uh, you could receive – I believe it's 20% off of a Strong Coffee purchase. It's super easy. It's like a protein powder. Yeah. You put the protein powder in like a water. You heat the water up. And you're super done. simple. Um, Every morning. Is yeah. Chuco Cigars also one of your sponsors? No. 
You just no, like the they're getting free promotion. They are. I'm going to show them this video that my, my man over here has taken, and uh, I'm going to see if I can get a free cigar. But this is right over in the Montecito neighborhood. They got great cigars. All right, well, they free should, promo for well, them. For what you've done, they should at least give you at least one cigar. One that's, cigar. That's 100% correct. All I right, agree. so um, steak and eggs for breakfast. What's lunch? I mean, lunch could be anything, so I just follow that. You know what I mean? Lunch could be like a protein, vegetable, a fruit. A carb, like a healthy carb, which would be like a potato, sweet potato. Um, it could be really anything. As long as it comes from the earth, I'll eat as much of it as I want. You know, I'll, like if I'm gaining, if I want to gain weight, I'll yeah. eat more steak and potato and chicken and whatever. But if like right now I'm uh, cutting weight, so okay. I got to get to 205 by tomorrow. What are you at now? Uh, I think I weighed in at like 208. Oh, so you're close. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you just got to drink a lot of water. Well, yeah, I'll drink a lot of water and then I'll sweat tomorrow morning. It'll be super easy. All I'm right. already, I'm on weight. But my point is, is I've just ate less of good food this week. There if I go. wanted to gain weight, I'd eat more of uh, natural, unprocessed food. All you gotta do is put on the shred skins and you're good to go. There you go. And yeah, 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 yeah. And, and before, and before you know it, you'll be uh, you'll be down to two oh five and even less. So easy money. You you're absolutely right. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's good. Now, did you cut out sweets altogether? Yeah. So how tough was that? So no, not all together. I'll be very honest. I never lie. So it's important for me to be honest. I do have like a cheat meal, okay. like once a week. There you go. And it's not crazy. It's like I'll have like whatever I'm craving. Like it could be Krispy Kreme is one. Um, like I like Reese's cups. Like kind of like pastries. I'm like more of a pastry guy. You an ice but cream guy? Yeah, ice cream too. I love ice cream. Yeah. But I'll get like the real deal ice cream. I don't get like the. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I'm going to cheat, I got to do, do it, it right. Get your money's worth. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Abs- is that, exactly. I like it. This is, this is the man after my own heart. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah you know <laughs> what I mean? So, But I only do it once a week. Like 98% of my diet is unprocessed. How, what's so, your body fat right now? I don't know. Probably like seven, That's eight, still, seven. I mean, are you lower body fat now than you were at UTEP? Yeah, for sure. For okay. sure, yeah. And, and 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 I've lost thirty pounds, thirty five pounds. Nice. Good um. For so you. so and, and that's uh that's what I said. I'm, I'm legitimately trying to help people out that are listening to this. But um, if you just, I promise you guys, if you just stay away from ultra processed food and um, you know, you stay away from sugary snacks and sugar and processed snacks, you will. Whatever your goals are, you'll 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 be able to exceed them. And if you I get promise. your and if you get your sugars, get them naturally. Get them from fruits. Yeah, there's and, nothing and wrong with sugar and things like. Dude, it. I eat so much sugar all the time. Know. People people ask me well, the sugar. I'm like, yeah, but it's orange juice, and it's one thousand percent. It's naturally squeezed. That's, you know that's what I mean? exactly right. Listen, I so when I have when I want a snack and I want something sweet, I have grapes because I know that I'm not going to be eating raspberries. The other stuff. Hey, there's another pineapple. That's Dude, right. there, That's and right. I, I'll tell you what, I did a 24-hour fast on Sunday. I know we're just kind of talking now, but there's a 24-hour fast on Sunday. You have no idea how good fruit tastes after you fasted. No Beca- water, too, or just or did no, you No, I, did, I do water. Have no. you ever done the 24-hour fast with that. no water? No, I've never done that. Try that. Okay. Okay, I will. So it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's an experience. Okay. How, what, what, why? Do you get like, like how is it? It's well. I'm, I'm like a water drinker. So I've listen. I've I've. So here's the deal. Okay, I'll explain this very quickly. So, in the Jewish religion, there's a holiday called Yom Kippur. It's the Jewish Day of Atonement. It's when you go up to God, you forgive Him for your years of sin, your year of sins, yep. and you ask Him to write you into the Book of Life for another year. Nice. And one of the things they do is from sundown to sundown, no food, no water. Right. It is a complete 
24-hour fast. Nice. Now, um, at the same time, I, I do it. You do it once a year, so I'm, I'm used to it already. So when you ask, what's it like? Once you get through the first couple of hours after a while and you stop thinking about it, you're good Easy to go. Money, you huh? just, yeah, exactly right. Like, I, you, I haven't ate today, and I, I, have, I, mean, I don't really think about it. I, yeah. I know I need food, but, yeah. like, I'm like, I, I'm not hungry. There you go. You know what I mean? That's right. It's so yeah, you're right. I but think our, you, I think we don't give our bodies enough credit. Like our bodies are able to adapt to a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? Like because if you think about it, a thousand years ago we didn't have access to food four times throughout the day. Most people didn't. You know what I mean? But we still survived. So a lot of times people are just eating to eat. That's right. And that it's just very true. And when you fast or when you and, and these ancient religions and these uh mm-hmm. ancient philosophy uh, f- philosophers, excuse me. Um, we're on to something yeah. because they know if you fast, like, you have a better uh, relationship with food. Because I was like, oh, I was just getting ready to say, dude, you have a pineapple after a 24-hour fast? Yeah, it, it tastes, tastes like better the than any- thing ever. Yes, the, yeah. it tastes way better than any, any candy, any Skittles, anything that you can eat. Believe you know it or not, I mean? believe it or not, uh, and, and the thing is this, too, when you don't drink water and you're fasting for 24 hours, you oh, gotta be you, you gotta be careful with your first meal because your stomach's not ready for yeah. a large meal. So you can't go crazy or you'll get sick. So you gotta be you gotta do it right and kind of go in a small increment so you don't really stuff yourself. Yes. So that's the key. All right, listen, I like this. We're learning about diets with AJ Hodgkins <laughs> okay, right yeah. now. He's got his big MMA bout tomorrow night, and that's gonna be coming up around six or so. So he's ready for that. He's training, he's excited. Uh, this is the future right now for you. This is what it's about. You uh, are, are just 100% invested in combat sports at the moment. Yes, uh, somewhat. I mean, you know, I'm 100% invested in that. And then, like, I do some entrepreneurial stuff. Like, I have my online fitness app. I sell my programs. That's how I make a living. Okay. Um, and then I also do, like, uh, private training. So if you like, you're somebody out there that wants private training, um, whether that be for weight loss, um, you know, athletic performance, whatever the case may be, I'm a good guy for that as well. But um, between that and then between combat sports, 100%, I'm all in. I don't believe in any other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I in order in order to be great, you know what I mean, at anything, you look at anybody that's great at anything that they do, right? You look at Michael Jordan. You don't think he was at the club bouncing around and he wasn't, you know what I mean, he was asleep. You know what I mean? Or he was thinking about basketball or he was, you know, so um, I'm, I like to be all in and, and that's the way I like to live. You know what I mean? I got to be all in to get the most out of my potential, I feel like. So, um, but yeah, yeah, 100%. I love it. Combat sports. And I love training too. I can tell everything. Everything I do, I love. You seem passionate about everything you're talking about. That's for sure. The passion is there. No, no questions. Yes, that. absolutely. So, all right, we'll come back. We'll wrap things up with AJ in a moment. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Now here on Sports Talk as we continue, uh, Instagram underscore fit with J underscore. You'll get a chance to uh, learn more about what AJ is doing, and you can follow him also on Twitter at uh, AJ Hodgkins. So it sounds to me like right now you're in a great place physically and mentally. We've learned that. You're doing well with the uh, with the apps, with the workouts, your personal career right now, combat sports. What I like about you is that every time I see you, there's always something different. So if I ask you, you know, what, what are we going to be doing uh, six months to a year from now, there could be something that we're not even talking about that you get into and all of a sudden you're, you're a part of. I, that's, that's, that's the fun part about you. Yeah, I think we're meant to grow and adapt and try new things and expand. You it's know, true. it keeps you sharp. You know what I mean? And if, you know, it's like if you're listening to this, 
Like, go out and try something new. You know what I mean? And that's why I brought up the jiu-jitsu. I was like, dude, put your kids in jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? Expand them. Help them grow. Like, help them build a legitimate skill set, as I explained earlier. You cannot be good at jiu-jitsu if you don't go and train every day. You can't be good. It's impossible. It's impossible. I don't care who you are. Like, um, we'll get slack for this. But, like, if me and Aaron Donald were to grapple today, I'd, I'd dominate him. And he's a far superior athlete than I am, but he doesn't train every day. Sure. You know what I mean? So there's something to be said about that, and I love um, I love the process of developing a new skill set because it's important because it, you, you, you gain true confidence through developing new skill sets. You have the skill set of talking on the radio. You do a great job. And I'm saying that sincerely. Thank you. And – and so, like, but it takes work. Your first day looks very different from today. Of course. You know what I mean? So the more you can continue to develop skill sets, the more confidence you, you gain in doing so. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, anyway, yeah, I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that. AJ, can we see you own a business in El Paso? It seems like you're you're a one step away from doing something like that. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Most of my stuff is online because I like to be able to like move around and do what I want to do, you know? Maybe in like maybe in like fifteen years. Oh, that's a long time. Ten years. Yeah. Wait, quick well, follow up on this. Would you, are you retired from football? Would you go to one of these USFL or XFL leagues? Depending on how much they were to pay me. You know, because here's my problem and I'll get some slack for this too, but I'm opinionated. So we'll, here we go. You know, the, the issue that I have with football is that you got to show up to practice at 6 a.m. You got to watch film. You got to listen to your coach. And, and I suggest that if you're playing football, you do all those things mm-hmm. because I did them when I was a football player. But now I'm an entrepreneur. And what fits my lifestyle is doing these uh, mixed martial arts, combat sports, because nobody says anything if I'm not there in the morning to train. I may have had something better to do, but I'm going to be there in the morning anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So nobody's really guiding me throughout my process. It's all me. That's right. So I get to make my own decisions. I get to show up when I want to. Um, and football is not very much like that. But if, depending on how much they pay, and I'd be an absolute monster right now. So if Dwayne The Rock Johnson's watching this, yeah. you know what I mean? He should reach out because I, 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 I would be a monster right now. I promise you that. I'm in, I'm in phenomenal shape. But Phenomenal then, but then right you now. gotta, then you gotta get to the practices at six a.m. Listen to your yeah. coaches, watch film, all the things you said you don't want to do now that you're an entrepreneur. So, so essentially, what you're telling me is this: you're really not wanting to play football, but money talks, and if enough money comes your way, hey, then you can, then then you'll go from there. You know, money talks. Money only talks to to, to certain things because, mm-hmm. you know, like if you were like, okay, well. You know, we'll give you, you know, X amount of dollars to do this. And I don't want to do that. I like football. I actually really enjoy playing football, but I don't enjoy the process of football like I do martial arts. So for me, it's easy for me to wake up every day and to go and train because I know that there's somebody out there that is far superior than me, but I can catch them. I think in football, it's so... So much based on your physical attributes. There's certain guys like Julio Jones. I'll never be Julio Jones or Aaron Donald. I mentioned him earlier. Like he's a far superior animal than I am in certain regards. But in martial arts, there's different ways that you can make that up. And so, like, I'm in love with the process of getting better. You know what I mean? I and do. so, um, for me, it's easy for me to wake up and do that. It's easier for me to go train every night. You know what I mean? So, um, and put uh, thought and, and uh, energy towards it. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, for me, I'm just getting better at that. But uh, if if somebody were to hit me with uh, uh, USFL or whatever, the, these new leagues, 
Sure. I would go out there and play some safety too. That's what I'd play. Well, especially with your weight now, two hundred and ten pounds or two hundred five, you'll be you'll be you know, uh, knocking fast. people around. I'm fast. Go look at my last couple of videos on Instagram, dude. I'm, I'm I'm moving fast. You guys will see tomorrow. There's a there's a different level of explosiveness in, in athletic ability that I'm, I'm 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 demonstrating when I'm out there. And there's not a lot of great athletes. No knock on jujitsu, but there's not a whole lot of great athletes in jujitsu. And I think I'm going to expose a little bit of that, and that that'll happen tomorrow night you know what i mean so i'm excited we'll see tomorrow night you know what i mean perry uh perry versus hodgkins tomorrow night the co-main event uh 12 225 rojas drive that's where it's going to be and i'm looking forward to that they got a, a big card in fact uh, doors open at 5 o'clock tomorrow, and then, as AJ said, right around 6, 6.30 he'll get on. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for you. Uh, before I wrap things up with you, how happy are you with uh, your alma mater and watching uh, what the Miners are doing right now man, in football? Extremely happy, man. Extremely happy. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see those guys do well, and it was awesome to see them do well last year. So, um, you know, I know they're missing a couple guys. I think Cowan is, uh, went to Arizona, yeah. but I think they, they're going to – I mean, they're 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 – their core is there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think defensively they're lights out. So I can see them doing well next year. Um, I'd like to see some guys get in the NFL. That's the, I know I always come on here with a critique. I don't I blame you. I want to see more guys get in the NFL too. Absolutely. You know, I think there are some talented guys that should have got a shot this last year. And I think, um, you know, we need to get guys shots to the NFL because I'll be quite honest with you. If like, you know, if I have a son and he's, you know, between, oh, UAB and UTEP, I'm like, well, we'll go to UAB if your goal is to go to the NFL. You know what I mean? Yep. So, um, I, you know, that's the only knock I have. But I think they look really good. They look really good. It's really it's awesome to see. Really is. Think about this though. You got Aaron Jones, one of the top ten running backs in football, came out of UTEP. Yes. Will Hernandez was a second round pick. Yes. Nick Needham, an undrafted free agent who has now carved out a starting role with the Dolphins. So yes. I know you'd like to see more, but the guys that are getting into the league, they're playing and they're really contributing right now. Yeah, you know, I th- you know, I think that's a that that's a that's a byproduct of like uh, under recruited or a under um, scouted school yep. because it's like the guys that do actually get an opportunity to move on, I think take advantage of and they're legitimate guys. Like Absolutely. Nick Needham is legit. Yep. And we all knew that when he was at RC or excuse me, when he was at UTEP, we all knew that he was legit. You know what I mean? It was just up to him to get the opportunity. And when he got the opportunity, you take advantage of it. You know what I mean? It's awesome to see. And then with Aaron Jones and Will Hernandez, they were kind of like, they were already guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I think Will went second round. Aaron went fifth. He did. He um, went second round on a winless UTEP team. Think about that one for a dude, second. Dude, that's impressive. So, like, yeah. you got to think a guy like that, if he were to be at, like, you know, a Pac-12, any Pac-12 score or, or any, like, uh, school that's really getting some NFL attention, mm-hmm. he's going first round. Absolutely. Aaron Jones, very similar, I think. Dude, Aaron Jones does some stuff. I'll be honest, like, some stuff with his body – that's like almost unexplainable. Like his hip fluidity, and this is why I talk to athletes about this stuff all the time. I'm like, dude, you don't need to be that strong. You watch Aaron. Me and Aaron look about similar. Maybe he's a little bit smaller. He's not like a huge dude, no. but dude, he's in the NFL playing running back. That's right. You know what I mean? And his hips and his movement is 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 like spectacular, yeah. and he moves so well. And um, so he's an interesting guy to watch. I, I, I to be honest, Will plays O line. I don't watch much of him. And then Nick, like I played, I played with Nick. You know what I mean? So I <laughs> yeah. love to see Nick play. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I love to see him do well. 
Really, I really do. It's big. He's big time. It is big time to be a free, uh, undrafted free agent. Huge. And make the team. Not only just make the team, but then also go ahead and play. So that the you know shows his resilience. You know I what agree. I mean? Because you got to be resilient. I do agree. Listen, you're resilient. Uh, it's great having you back on the show. Looking forward to tomorrow night. Great to see you here. And uh, come back and see us again real soon, AJ. I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you guys. You got AJ Hodgkins, folks, here in our Lubingo studios. Come back, wrap it up with story time and hags. Six hundred ESPN. El Paso.